Welcome into TNT in the morning. We had some minor technical difficulties today, seeing that Harrison Tarr is gone, but the technical difficulties continue. But it is Auburn's bye week, but TNT in the morning does not take bye weeks here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm here with Dylan Lark. How's it going, man? It's going all right. And my co-producer at Eagle Eye TV, Jake Gonzalez. What's going on? So, guys, uh, welcome into the show. I know Dylan's been here before. This is Jake's first time on the show. How are you feeling? First time on air at Weagle. I'm loving it, you know. Like, it's a very <laughs> interesting way to start these technical difficulties. Really no better way to start this, uh, this session <laughs> off, you know. That's right. Yeah. No, normally, we have a, a good intro to get us pumped up in the morning, but today we, we just didn't have the intro. But it's all right. We'll, we're going to roll into some Auburn athletics. Y'all good for that? Of so... Starting off, we have Auburn soccer. They uh, lost last night against number four Arkansas with a final score of zero to two. Um, they now are eleven four on the season, five and three in the SEC, and all four losses come to ranked opponents, two in which are in the top four. Um, were y'all able to like watch any of that? Y'all have anything to say on Auburn soccer? Yeah, I was watching Coastal last night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I watched, I I would listen to it a little bit on Weagle last night. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who was hosting the, or doing the broadcast for it, but uh, they did good last night. And you know, I I tuned in right as Arkansas scored that first goal, um, and it was kind of one of those one of those Auburn goals that they give up every once in a while where they just kind of can't really clear it. Um, but yeah, I think I think it was a good game. Still, I mean, Arkansas is a tough team. They struggled with them a lot last year. Um, I know, I know one of the, uh, the SEC championship game, like the tournament last year, they were down like three nothing or something like that. And Auburn came back and almost tied it up in like the second half. So, I mean, it's, those have been good matches the past couple of years. So, I mean, it was really no different last night. Yeah. I mean, Karen Hoppe has that team, um, rocking on all cylinders and, uh, it, they it snapped a three game win streak for Auburn and only their second home loss of the season. But uh, their next match uh, comes on Sunday at 2 p.m. against uh, number 13, Ole Miss. So hopefully they can uh, get a ranked win this season before they uh, wrap up the season at Alabama on Thursday at 7 p.m. And then starting on Halloween, they travel to Gulf Shores to compete in the SEC tournament. All right, rolling on to some Auburn volleyball. They split a series last week against Missouri. I think they won the first one in straight sets, if I'm not mistaken, and then uh, yeah, they won the first one in straight sets, lost the second one in the fifth set, so a tough loss there. But they were able to rebound last night and won in straight sets at Georgia, and they play again um, tonight at 6 o'clock. So be sure to tune in there. And then Auburn Equestrian, number one Auburn Equestrian. We have a lot of sports to talk about today. But uh, number one Equestrian traveled last week in their second match of the season after beating number two, Georgia, they traveled to Oklahoma State in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State's ranked number four, and they got upset by Oklahoma State, uh, ten to nine, and then um, they were up seven to two actually before uh, raining and flat, where they lost seven to two, kind of kind of blew a lead there, but uh, they were able to rebound um, against number three SMU uh, the following day to to get that win, so. Any thoughts on some Auburn equestrian boys? It's our it's our uh, claim to fame at here at Auburn. It's our only team that I think is highly ranked or top ranked 
right okay. i mean it definitely has been the past couple of years oh, yeah. but uh, we are a horse school <laughs> <laughs> Every, everything school i know uh auburn released a graphic like earlier this week of like oh, all yeah, the teams that, that were ranked I mean, how how many do we have? Is like seven or it eight? It was teams? seven or eight. Yeah, that's it crazy. It was, it was almost every major sport, and then um, like obviously equestrian, and then soccer's in there too. I mean, there there is kind of stuff just all over the board, right? Which you know, it's a great thing for the the university and the athletic programs here. Yeah, it is. Um, speaking of that, another team that got ranked this past week is Auburn's men's basketball. The AP poll uh, released their preseason rankings. And which featured Auburn coming in at number 22. So how how are y'all feeling about the upcoming season? I know uh, they start, I think, like November 9th. Um, so how, how are y'all feeling about that? I think we're Final Four bound. <laughs> <laughs> I said Bruce Pearl's definitely got me hyped up. I can't lie. I'm loving what this man's doing this season. Like, the way he's been hyping this team up has been so much fun. And I'm just, I'm so excited, like, going into this season. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, they announced this past week that they're going to have their first ever orange and blue scrimmage next Friday before the Ole Miss game, and it will be in Auburn Arena following the conclusion of Auburn Volleyball. So Bruce Pearl's um, really encouraging Auburn fans to go out there, support the volleyball team, and then stay afterwards to watch the first like actual scrimmage of the basketball team. It's about time they're starting to do something like that. I agree. Tip-off at Tumors is like a good, like just unique thing, gets everybody pumped up. But there's nothing like actually seeing the guys in game form and seeing yeah. what they can actually do. And we're definitely get, we're getting a, a dunk contest too that we got robbed of at tip off because <laughs> it was the what I don't know what kind of court they use out there. Uh, I don't. But it's it's got to like be rubber. something for it the like weather. Rubber. No, it's yeah. not even like rubber. It's like that hard plastic stuff you see at those like really cheap hotels. Yeah. Like in those like desolate like towns. Right. But like the only thing that is in that town is a hotel with a crappy basketball court, and it was <laughs> it's like that kind of court, and. I don't know what like it was like wet or something like that. I mean, it it was pretty pretty humid out there. I can't lie. I had to but. record some footage for a class on tip off of tumors, but I was exhausted. I was like, oh, dunk contest. This is gonna be some good B roll. Let's get another three point contest. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, like I I did it for Eagle Eye or whatever. And um, if you haven't checked that video out on YouTube, you go ahead and do that. The sights and sounds at tip off of tumors. Got to plug that real quick. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like it was when I first got out there, like. I opened, like, the camera lens up to the camera, and I swear, like, it was not even, like, two seconds into me opening it, and it was so foggy from, like, how humid it was outside. Right. So, I mean, I had, I had trouble just getting footage in the first place, like, the first half of it, and then it got so much better in the second half. And so, I don't know how the court was still wet at that point, but... Me neither. And I got mad because all my footage got, like, messed up because the official Auburn... Uh, videographers were just like all in my shot every time I tried to I shoot something. I swear. They always find a way to get right like in the middle of it. I had this one great shot with uh like Cardwell, like right after he like did the worm or whatever. <laughs> and the dude like literally I like zoomed in like right on Cardwell's face and he's like just about to start smiling or whatever after he got down. And the dude just like walks and it's just feet are just like right in the middle of his face. And I was so mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of like footage and stuff, I know I had this problem trying to like get footage because I had a project doing a class where I had to get some video. But it was like it was green out there, like all the lights and stuff. It was like green on the cameras. I don't know what was up with that. Yeah, it was that. Uh, like it's those lights that they put out there. Um, I don't know what like it's those like generator powered lights that they put out for tumors, and for some reason they were just like green. Like there's like a green hue to everything. 
Yeah, it was really it was really weird. Um, but yeah, a lot of hype going into Auburn basketball. They should be really good this season, um, especially when they get Alan Flanagan back. Hopefully sooner rather than later. But now moving on to the one everybody wants to talk about, and it's Auburn getting the win in Fayetteville, Arkansas, against the number 17 Arkansas Razorbacks. Blue pig. Blue pig. I mean, I picked Arkansas to win. No tar did, too. Oh, Harrison loves some Arkansas Razorback football, but he said he was going to ride on them one last week, and I, I think he's done on it. I mean, they got deleted. I mean, what, three straight losses for Arkansas after fall, going up as high as number eight? Well, I mean, yeah. you got to see who they played. They played Georgia in Athens. They did. Then I don't, I don't know if they, they played, played Ole Miss. Miss. They played Ole Miss and they played us. Yeah, they played Ole Miss and then they played Auburn, which technically Auburn should have been ranked when they played us or when we played Arkansas. But, you know, I, I would consider that three ranked losses in a row for Arkansas. That team's still good. Yeah, I mean, those are not – bad losses those are like pretty good losses but to compete in the sec west year in year out those are the opponents you're gonna play every year now i don't think they play georgia every year that's not their cross Mm -hmm. but like just the sec west they still have to play alabama this year um have they played mississippi state just yet they have not have not i will say they are one good two-point conversion play call away they are from beating Ole miss (laughs) What what are your thoughts on that? Going going for two in that situation, the score is what fifty to fifty one. I mean, you kick the extra point, you sent OT, but Why both teams are it? yeah. Why not go for it? Go for. The I agree. Game. I I like the call. I I like it's ballsy, but <laughs> high risk, high reward scenario. If you're gonna call a two point conversion to win the game, you better have a good play in mind, and that was not it. Well, like the thing is, is like in those situations, like. A coach makes the call. If they get the two-point conversion, it's like, oh, my God, that's the greatest call we've ever seen. But because they didn't get it, it's like, why would you make that call? That's, like, such a dumb decision. Like, just kick it. It was very close to the Florida-Bama two-point conversion. That was the worst read option I've ever seen. (laughs) Mm. Was it worse than working the fade on a a fourth down and two? (laughs) I will say yes because, I mean, at least that was – I think that's a better play call than letting Emory Jones have the game in his hands. I feel like you should never trust Emory Jones in that kind of situation, but Florida does. I don't think the play call at Penn State on that fourth and two was a bad play call. It was just the wrong read. There's a, there was a lot of reads, and uh, Bo Nix took chose the first and the worst, worst one. Yeah. I would say he chose the absolute worst one because wasn't like Tank basically was on like a Texas route. He was on a Texas route, and he was so open in the middle of that field. And I was there at the game, and you could just see the disappointment and frustration in Tank Bigsby's demeanor following the play. He was. It was tough. But, yeah, so Auburn got a big win over Arkansas this past week. Uh, some stats. Bo Nix debatably played the best game of his career uh, this past week. Went 21 for 26, 292 yards, two touchdowns, and he also had five rushes for 42 and a touchdown. I feel like we say that every week that Bo Nix uh, has played the best game it's, of his it's career. It's been like that for the past like couple of weeks. It's, Ever it's since that Georgia like you could State say game. this is the year. Bonix has improved so much under this new offense. He's he has, though. He, yeah. he, he really has improved. And I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the dark horse for the Heisman at the end of the year. I would be very surprised. I, I would be surprised at this point. He needs to, like, average 500 yards from here on out and win out as and well. He doesn't play any good teams to remainder the, remainder the Absolutely season. not. Like he, he doesn't play a top, garbage like a top four team in the nation yeah. at the end of the year. I will say one thing about this game. I don't know how we won without a run game. We had virtually no run game. 
Tank it, only, it was it was there at times. It was, but Tank only averaged three point eight yards a carry, and Jarquez two point seven. Virtually no run game for the running backs, at least. Right, and I don't, I don't know if that's so much on the running backs or the offensive line because I was looking up stats before the show, and it was honestly one of the best uh, blocking games for the O line in terms of pass blocking. They only allowed two quarterback pressures, and in the two weeks prior against LSU and Georgia, they combined for 29. So that's a big improvement for the O-line there. But, yeah, in terms of rushing, Tank Bigsby hasn't looked like the Tank Bigsby we saw last it's year. Ever, it's been since that Penn State game. I like I, I heard he, right. like, picked up an injury in that game. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know. No one knows how serious it was or even what it was. But, like, he really hasn't been contributing the way that he was ever since that game. Yeah, and Brian Harson and his staff are like really don't talk too much about injuries. They keep that on the down low, and they don't want media to get any information on any of the players' injuries, potentially COVID. I know uh, Sean Shiver was, was out for basically 14 days exactly. Nothing was said about it. So, but yeah, I mean. It's like the same case with Owen Papo, too. We've been without Owen since Penn State as well. Yeah. So Auburn's never has not been playing – 100% healthy since Penn State, or at least the first half of Penn State, at least. That That's the one thing I don't understand, especially with Papo, because he finished the Penn State game out, and he picked the game, the injury up in that game. But, like, obviously since he played it out, I, I assumed it wouldn't wasn't going to be that serious of an injury, and it would be like, you know, after Georgia State, he'd be back, right. you know, and be ready to play. But it's been three weeks, four weeks now. Yeah, it's definitely weeks. not COVID. He's on the sidelines yeah. for every game. He's out there, like, hyping up the team in warm-ups. I mean, I, I don't really know what's up, but good news is Brian Harson said that he hopes to get Owen Papo back uh, next week against Ole Miss following the bye week. So that is good news. That's a, that's going to be a big like piece back in that defense. Oh, yeah, it Especially is. Especially against that Ole Miss rush. Unless we run a 3-2-6 again. Mm. <laughs> if I ever see that formation go, come out again, I'm going to turn off the game. I don't, I don't think we're going to have to worry about that against Ole Miss. Uh, I think you worry more about the, the right. secondary and the pass defense. Uh, oh, well, yeah, but – still all right boys well we're gonna take a two-minute commercial break and when we come back we will discuss some more arkansas football you're listening to tnt in the morning right here on weagle 91.1 fm welcome back to tnt in the morning i'm thomas lynn murphy joined by dylan lark and jake gonzalez harrison tar is up in new jersey uh going for his girlfriend's wedding and during commercial break, Jake Gonzalez was sitting here going through some money line sports bets to send to Harrison up in New Jersey. Hey, since, don't, don't since, let them hear that. <laughs> <laughs> the government's listening, bro. Hey, <laughs> Harrison, Harrison's got to hook him up up there. But uh, yeah, so back to some Auburn Arkansas football. One thing I want to touch on is the Auburn receiving group. We know against Georgia, and they already lead the SEC in drops, and against Georgia, they had 16 combined drops. I know there was a lot of numbers floating out there. At one point, me and Jake had 19 total drops when Bo Nixon even uh, incomplete, threw like 19 incompletions. So that was, that was crazy. But 16, and this past week, four. They, they only had four drops. So th- thoughts on the receiving group there? I mean, they were just more focused coming into this week, you know? <laughs> Sean's, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Cyrus was talking about that in the, I think, the midweek press conference before the Arkansas game last week. 
Uh, just like the team being more focused overall, because Shivers was a part of that problem in the Georgia game. I think he had, I want to say it was five or six drops, like yeah. four or something. And like some that. key ones, one that led to a pick, too, that just hit right off his helmet. Yeah, like, and that's just as a receiver, even as a running back, like, that stuff you just can't allow it to happen, because that really changed that Georgia game. Dylan? Uh, I mean, uh, it seems like Demetrius Robertson, I think, was the one who dropped the most passes against Georgia, which maybe was an inside job because it was his former team. <laughs> but, I mean, he played pretty well. He only had two catches against Arkansas, but they went for 81 yards. Yeah, but he, he had that big, uh, long touchdown. And I will say that was probably the best pass Bo Nix has thrown, and that's the best caught ball potentially of the season, just how focused he was, like bringing it in. He bobbled it at one point, but bringing it in. I so, really thought he was going to drop that pass. I, I did, too. Oh, I thought he was, too. I was more shocked at the fact that he caught it than the fact that it was a 71-yard touchdown. <laughs> right. I can't lie. I was shocked Bo Nix even put it in the zip code of him because he cannot throw the deep ball. Yeah, he, he struggled with it in past years, but I will say there's something about Bo Nix this year that's clicking. I'm not sure if it's the, the coaching staff, Brian Harson and Mike Bobo, but – He's given a lot of credit to both those coaches helping him develop this offseason, and I think it's really shown this season so far. I think this scheme just really fits well with him. It does. He's going through his progressions, not just taking the first read like in Gus Malzahn's offense. He's actually going through them all and then going looking for the open receiver, especially tight ends. That's a focus point that was not used in prior years, being more used uh, this year, as well as uh, when nothing's open instead of panicking. He's checking it down to his running back. So, at this point, the name of the the name of the podcast or the name of the episode, whenever you uh, upload it, needs to be Bonix is focused on having fun. We've been talking <laughs> about this for a long time. I kind of want to shift it over to Arkansas a little bit. KJ Jefferson is legit, dude. I, uh, that last touchdown he had, where he was almost gonna be a jump pass, he pump faked it, got his feet back, and threw it to a wide open receiver in the end zone. Was oh, it was Traylon Burks. Uh, you know, just Traylon Burks and top yeah, just top two receiver Burks, in the yeah. SEC. <laughs> also, on last week's episode of TNT, whenever I was here, I said if Auburn ran man the entire game, Traylon Burks was going to go off, and he did. I, I don't think it matters if they go man or zone. Uh, the top receiver of any team is going to go off against that Auburn secondary. Well, that one touchdown, the first touchdown he had, was exactly what I predicted to happen. They ran complete man, and they left they left Zion Puckett. In one-on-one coverage against one of the best receivers in college football, and he mossed him and scored a touchdown. Look, it, it doesn't matter what that defense is going to run. Like, man, man is the better option of the two in running man or zone. I agree. I would rather this defense run man offense than, than zone because they got torched the first drive against LSU by Keishon Butte. Literally 99 yards the first drive because they were running zone down the field the first play. I would say I, I like running man. I run all the time in NCAA 14 and Madden. That's all I run. But in a defensive scenario, in a real-life scenario, you have to interchange the two at least. Yeah, and you can't, you can't leave one of our like top uh, – like our third-best corner on their best receiver. Well, yeah, by far. Like McCurry should have been chasing uh, Burks around the field. Like, oh, yeah. He should have been shadowing wherever he went. Right. I agree. And uh, this marks uh, the sixth straight win over Arkansas. It's the longest win streak for Auburn at the moment against any given SEC opponent, which is really good. And it's the most uh, road points for Auburn since 2019 against Arkansas. 
But I will say one thing about this uh, Auburn football team is they are looking a lot more composed on the road. They've traveled at Penn State, wide out, night game at Penn State. Then the, the just the following week, or not the following week, but the week after, an 8 o'clock kickoff in Death Valley. And then they go to Arkansas with that, that fan, the fan base there getting all riled up because of the season they're having. So what, do you, what are you all thinking about just Auburn's composure on the road this season? I, I think it's been very good. I mean, uh, I, I, you wouldn't be able to tell from the Penn State graphic they made after that game where they edited out all the Auburn fans that were in the stadium. Yeah, I, I was there, and there were so many Auburn fans. There was so much orange, and then just to, like, wake up the next day and see that graphics, like, come on now. Like, there's so much more. And every Penn State fan said that there was – that was the most an away team has ever traveled to Penn State for a single game. When's our next big road who, – who, who's our left – who's our last road we game? We have A&M and then South Carolina the so last two, I think. A&M. Uh, easy. Easy well, wins. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> Alabama struggled a little bit there, but I think that's more because Jimbo Fisher spent the like the last three weeks of the season <laughs> focusing on. He, he did not care game. about Mississippi State. He didn't care about Arkansas. He was like, "All right, we're gonna get ready for Bama now." He I mean, he knew he that tell. seat was getting a little hot, and he was like, "All right, there's only one thing I can do to help uh, regain some." I would say he has a hot seat, but he has the largest buyout of any coach in college football. It is ninety five point five million. Is this buyout right that now. looked like a Gus Malzahn win right there. Once you're on the hot seat, and then you just prepare for Alabama like weeks in advance, get ready for them, beat them, and then oh, you're good for the next couple years. One of the funniest things I saw. So there's this Twitter account uh, called like the Message Board Geniuses. So it literally just takes like the most outlandish like message board accounts from like all these like team forums, and someone in there the week before like or like the week of that Texas A&M Alabama game was like, what if Jimbo Fisher has just been like like sandbagging this whole season just preparing for this Alabama game so he can beat Alabama. He definitely did. Like, I don't know how, like, a team plays that bad and then all of a sudden against Alabama just one of the best performances like they've had the entire season. Made Zach Calzada look like a top three quarterback. That's what I'm saying. He tore his ACL on a play it looked like and then he threw a a dot. Yeah, that that game was crazy. Um, But good news for Auburn fans, um, Brian Harson actually leads all first year or like not just first year but like coaches that have moved to a different school leads all of them in the FBS in uh his record he is five and two and for comparison a man down in central Florida uh, at a school named UCF Gus Malzahn is three and three actually so uh there's there's some bad losses in those three too. <laughs> uh, there is. It, it was funny. I was traveling to the um, Auburn Penn State game. We get off the airplane and we get on one of those shuttles to get rental car or whatever. And as soon as we get on the bus, there's a man sitting there with the UCF shirt on, and like the game had just gone final. I was watching on the plane on the way. I was, he looked so depressed. It was sad. He he finally gets to experience the pain that Auburn fans have felt for years. <laughs> so we're talking about UCF. I'm just gonna say go Bearcats. 56-21 over Gus Malzahn. Bear- Jerome Ford went off. Bearcats are looking good. Final four potential with them. Uh, Luke Fickle. I haven't beaten Georgia in the netty. Ooh. I'm saying now. That's a that's, hot take. That's I, a I, hot I take. Say, that's a hot take. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, go Bearcats. Bearcat up. <laughs> so so from Wick, uh, Woo Pick Suey to Bearcat up, there we go. Dylan Lark with the Cincinnati Bearcats. All right. It might, might be a bye week. But that does not take away from get to know the foe 
I know Jake does not know the segment, but we go oh, in. I know the segment. You do know the segment. Oh, absolutely. It's one of the greatest things ever, right? It's the best thing I've ever heard in my That's life. That's right. So we're going to do Get to Know the Foe right before this commercial break, bi-week edition. So there's not a lot of stats out there, but there is one stat, and it is since 2013, Auburn is 8-0 following bye weeks So that's good news for Auburn fans out there and the Tigers. And also, since it is a bye week it is your chance to go, like Harrison, to a wedding, have your wedding on a bye week and you can also go to a pumpkin patch this Saturday because it is a bye week I know we got Dylan's thoughts on pumpkin patches last week. And any new guests we have on here, we have to get your thoughts on pumpkin patches. So, Jake, you are in a relationship as well. I am. So what are your thoughts on pumpkin patches? Look, if the woman wants to go to a pumpkin patch, I'm going to a pumpkin patch. Even if it's on a game day Saturday? like That's yet to be determined. See, the beauty, the beauty in a long-distance relationship sometimes is that you don't you have, don't to, have to worry about that kind of stuff. If she's going to be here, my weekend is planned out already. I don't care what else is happening. But if she's not here, I got whatever I want to do. I can do whatever I want to do. And um, that is that is the beauty of having a long distance relationship. So if she were here and she wanted to go, Auburn's playing at six o'clock against Ole Miss next week, and she wants to go to a pumpkin patch at five o'clock and get that Instagram picture. Are you going? Potentially missing like the first half of the game. Oh yeah, I'm fine with that. See that that's where I had my issue. We that's are, where I draw the line. Di- we are very, very look, different men. Look, my thing is is at this point in the world that we live in. We have the access to watch games from anywhere. We have the access to go to a pumpkin patch whenever, too. <laughs> that's not you true. You only get four years at Auburn as a student. Okay, that's fine. That's tough. Get a lifetime with a woman. <laughs> 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 you do have that lifetime of pumpkin patches. Um, all right, since it's a bye week, some things to do in Auburn. I know this weekend... Jake's not going. Dylan, you going to Auburn Rodeo this weekend? I know I will be there to see Park McCollum and Morgan Wallen perform. I am not. I have a lot of football to watch tomorrow. You know, that, that's, that's a good excuse. That's, that's a valid that's my excuse. My plan, right too. There. Sit on the couch, <laughs> drink a little beer, and uh, watch some football all day. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan right yeah. there. Also, since it's a bye week, the Atlanta Braves are returning back to Atlanta. Following a loss last night, we're not going to talk about it. It was not good. I was in depression, but they're up three to two in the series, and they return back to Atlanta for Game Six tomorrow, and then Game Seven if they lose on Sunday. So, if you have nothing to do on Saturday, looking for something to do, travel to Atlanta for Game Six, and then possibly Game Seven on Sunday. And watch the Braves blow a three-one lead. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully the Braves do not <laughs> blow a 3-1 lead. But after this two-minute commercial break, we're going to talk some head coach firings around the SEC, some potential transfers, as well as trash being thrown around. Stay locked in right here on Weagle 91.1. You're listening to TNT in the morning. Welcome back to TNT in the morning on Weagle 91.1 FM. I just got a text from the host of this show that is on the road right now in New Jersey that he would like to call in. So we have Mr. Jake Gonzalez going to work trying to get the phone call set up so that we can make phone calls. But in the meantime, Jake also wanted to discuss some Red Sox baseball. It is playoff time. The Red Sox are facing elimination tonight at 7 o'clock. Are you, how are you, how are you feeling about the game tonight? Look, to be honest, 
not great. You know, we've got we do have Evaldi on the mound, but like depending on it, or like we saw how that ninth inning went the last time. You know, um, I'm I'm not feeling good. You know, we're down three two. The Astros are hot right now. The Red Sox have not been hot for two games. It's a very disappointing time to be a Red Sox fan. Yeah, it was a tough loss the other night, getting getting beat uh, pretty bad. But being a Braves fan, I know I know how it feels after last night's debacle. It, it was not good. We were up 2-0, decided to take a nice little nap, wake up, down 3-2, and then uh yeah just last night wasn't even a debacle chris taylor just went off like you can't even be mad about that yeah there's not many games where a guy's gonna hit two two run home runs hit a solo home run and then also drive in another run right like that that's a tough feat even like trying to just hit one two run home run it is um but braves return back to atlanta this uh coming weekend they will face max serger and Bueller, so some tough pitching to go up against. But transitioning back to some college football, there was a big, some breaking news this uh, past week with uh, the firing of Ed Orgeron. What, what, what are y'all's thoughts with not LSU the, on that? Not the firing. They're going to mutually, well, mutually agree. Mutual, it would be a firing <laughs> if he wouldn't have won the championship in 2019. Do y'all agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I. I yeah, think that's fair. it's very Gene Chizik like. I feel like the only reason they're that they're really mutually parting ways is because they probably already have someone in mind. I talked about it on my show a little bit. I named five candidates I see for it. I want I want to know who you have in mind for this job because so, it, it's debatably a top five, definitely a top ten job in the country at LSU. Oh yeah, I think this rivals USC right now for the most like the hottest job available. Uh, but at five, I had Urban Meyer because I feel like he's just not cut out for the NFL. He's going to go back to college at some point. He's either going to USC or LSU at this point. Look, the, the Urban Meyer situation, they would have already fired him right now if he wasn't going to be the coach for at least another season, especially after what happened a couple of weeks ago. The fact they kept him on board means that he's going to be the coach at least for this season and probably next season. Yeah, and at four, I have Mario Cristobal, head coach of Oregon. Uh, back-to-back Pac-12 champions. Uh, I think he brings back a winning culture to LSU at some point. That's somebody that was Auburn was really high on too, and looked at potentially getting uh, replacing Gus Malzahn. So that'll that'll be interesting if he comes down to the SEC. And bring up another person Auburn had their eyes on. I have Billy Napier, yep. head coach of the Raging Cajuns. He already has ties to LSU, and he's already a, one of the top coaches. His name always gets thrown around whenever a Power Five job is opened. I mean, why not? Like. Yeah. You see what they're done with the, the raging Cajuns down there. At two, I have James Franklin. I think he's going to leave Penn State at some point this this offseason. He's either going to go – it's like Urban Meyer. I think he's either going to go to USC or LSU. I think it's going to be a, a bidding war between the two. And at one, I have Joe Brady, offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, was the offensive coordinator during the 2019 Panth- uh, LSU season when they won a natty. And I think that he is probably the best man for the job, and I feel like they already have his eyes on him for it as well. I, I can't see that. I really yeah. can't. I can't see the Joe Brady thing. I think it's too soon for him. You know, he, he does do a good job with an NFL offense. You know, the Panthers, they've looked good. It's looked good at times. It's looked really good at times. Yeah, he chooses to go away from the run game at times, which I'm not a fan of. So I'm okay with him leaving right now, but I think it, that the LSU Tigers are – 
probably looking at him right now. I, I just don't think that he is ready to take a head coaching job. I think once you coordinate a team in the NFL, I think you're ready for a college head coaching job. I mean, that's just me. I feel like I feel like he could take it. He he is a a an intelligent coach and he's a good recruiter. I feel like LSU is going to get him and he's probably get him whatever uh, coordinators he wants to get alongside. I I can see that one for sure. Like I like Joe Brady like there I've heard things of obviously, you know, I've heard things, you know, just me being a college student here in Auburn uh where uh like Joe Brady is like being looked at for like NFL jobs and I think that's just absurd. The thing about Joe Brady and returning back to college is the reason he left college and LSU to go to the NFL is because he absolutely hates recruiting. He hates having to go out and actually recruit. So that's one reason I just don't see him returning to college level. I think he'll probably just stay at the NFL and probably try and work his way up to be an NFL head coach, but We'll see. I know, according to a random Instagram user, uh, LSU gets who they want. <laughs> I don't think it's true, but so that's just message board geniuses 2.0, right? There. Oh yeah, <laughs> keyboard warriors. We'll see. But uh, is that that's the that was number one, Joe Brady? Yep. All right. Well, we have ourselves a caller, so let me put him on real quick. Uh, caller, are you there? Can you hear me? Donaldson, you got me? Is it is this Harrison Tarr, the host of the show? Yeah, I can't hear you, man. Harrison cannot hear us at the moment. Um, Wait, can you hear? Can you hear us now, Harrison? He cannot hear us at all. Hello, Harrison. We have some minor technical difficulties at the moment. I'll but keep the conversation. Uh, I had some <laughs> fans uh, that also said that they're upset that Coach O is leaving. Which I mean, I can understand it. I mean, he's a good, he's a great character as a coach, but overall, he's just not a he's not a great coach. He was nowhere worth the amount of money they were paying him. I mean, they were they were doing it because they just came off the national title, where they just dominated because of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and it's like, oh my, this team's really good. This is all because of Coach O. It's like it's again the Gene Chizik thing. I mean, everyone gives. Hey, Gene Chizik gets all the credit for that win, even though you know, he's a head coach. But every Auburn fan that has watched that season or rewatched it knows that that was it's all only Cam all Newton. Cam Newton. Because I mean, if if you take Cam off that team, they're seven and five, eight and four at most. But Cam, I don't Cam, even know if I would go that far. I mean, Michael Dyer was good. I mean, it, the whole thing comes out of the quarterback situation. Because if you get rid of Cam, the starting quarterback is Barrett Trotter. Hey, right. Barrett Trotter was nasty. If don't hate on my man. <laughs> But, I mean, I think that Coach O, he is the cause for the falling out. I mean, he had so much – there was so much, like, off-the-field stuff that happened between him and some few ladies at LSU that I, I'm not shocked – I'm shocked that he wasn't just fired then and there. And I feel like if anything would have happened afterwards, that he would have gone – or he would have been just flat-out fired. But I guess they're wanting to win, and they realize that Coach O is not the coach that's going to give them a winning chance. Didn't he, like, as soon as he won, like, that national title, like, divorce his wife? Yes, he did. A, like, not even, <laughs> like, a week afterwards, I feel. It was, like, it was as soon as they won. They took a picture together on the field, and then a few weeks later, they're divorced. I mm-hmm. Like, that honestly is hilarious to me. 
like you're like Nashville Tyler. You know what? See you later, wife. I'm getting some new women in here. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, we're gonna try this one last time because I know Harrison would love to speak on this topic. So we're gonna try and bring Harrison in here one more time. Harrison, can you hear us? I got you, Thomas Lynn. Sorry about earlier. Har- Harrison is on the air at the moment. So Harrison, welcome in from New Jersey. How is it going up there? Hey, we're doing well. I just wanted to go ahead and tell you guys, you guys are kicking some serious butt on the show right now. I guess that what we've learned this week is y'all don't need me, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. I would agree. I don't know about that. We didn't we didn't have the nice intro uh, without you. We had some technical difficulties getting that set up, but we're rocking and rolling now, and it's flowing good. We got some good chemistry here in the studio, so got the better version of TNT. And Tank and TL. Yeah, that's right. Um, so Harrison, yeah, throw uh, a J in there somewhere. Yeah, TNT and J. <laughs> TNT and J. We'll work around, get us a new name or something eventually. But uh, Harrison, before we go to break here in just a few minutes, uh, thoughts on the Ed uh, Ogeron firing slash agreement? You know, um, I think that this is. I was really excited to talk about this because I, for the longest time, really, really did advocate for Ed Orgeron um, because of his character. And now that that's, that's in question now, uh, I think that we've got a much bigger bigger issue. I think this is the best possible scenario for LSU. I think that you and I agree, and actually I've spoke to everybody on the air right now, uh, Jake and Dylan, we've all discussed. It was time for LSU to move on from Orgeron. But the, uh, the million-dollar question is now, I think that obviously everyone's speculating who does LSU go get next? Do they go get a Kiffin? Um, do they do they try to go get Mario Cristobal from Oregon? I think the a big question we're not talking about is what's next for Coach O. I agree. I agree. I think he's going to take a break for a little bit. I mean, how old is Ed Ogeron? I mean, he's kind of getting up there for like potential retirement. He's already won a national championship. So I mean, hey, take this buyout and run. That's yeah, all I got to. He could run is sixty years old. I mean, yeah, take the buyout and go. But. But here's the question: Is he hireable for anybody, even on the def- even on a defensive staff? No, I don't think so. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't, I don't think he is. After, don't, after everything that's came up, like the allegations and stuff, I, or like the the pictures that have came up of him with some LSU uh, students, I don't think he's hireable. Right. He's as as uh, the greatest coach of all time, Nick Saban would say, kind of rat poison to a coaching staff. I was about to say, with like with, said, with Dylan, the, with the dysfunction that has kind of come out of this team the past couple of years. Like, does anyone want to put him on their staff? He completely that's, that's, overshadows any other staff member. I know I'm going to keep interrupting. He does. And, and I don't think he can take a job that's not head coaching now. Yeah, and I don't see I don't, him returning to, like, being a lineman coach because, I mean, to fall off that much from winning a championship two years ago as a head coach and then getting fired as a head coach and then going straight to being a lineman coach again, I just don't see that happening. Like Sam, I would much rather retire. It's like Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman was an offensive line coach at Georgia, but after what he's done with Arkansas, I could never see him being an off- offensive line coach again. Right. Unless it was for I an d- NFL team. I would agree. Hey, look, I just got to say, look at what Nick Saban's doing, taking old NFL head coaches and turning them into, like, analysts, and then Bill O'Brien's an OC. Uh, Doug Marone's our offensive line coach or something like that there. Like, well, every, I don't know. Everyone wants to – Saban is probably the exception to that. Anyone, any, I would take a job as an offensive analyst for Saban. (laughs) And I'm an Auburn. Secondary question for you guys, because I know that I've got to get off off the air, so you guys can go go get a go to commercial. Also, I'm I'm in my suit right now. I'm probably getting yelled at to go get pictures. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, does this? I mean, obviously, we don't. I don't. I don't know about you guys. I don't want to say we because we haven't talked about this part. 
I don't think Kiffin's serious about the job, but if you're moving on from an Orgeron with controversy surrounding like that, you can't move to a Kiffin, right? No, you need to get your typical – you need to get like a not, – not Brian Harson, but someone like Brian Harson, or someone like a Nick Saban, kind of someone vanilla. who knows how to present themselves to the media or to people. Yeah, I right. agree with like that. A, like a crystal ball would probably be the best case scenario for them right now because he knows how – he doesn't have any baggage with him. I'd like say somebody at a smaller school – that has been there for an extended period of time that knows how to run the program and has had success doing that, building it from the like ground Napier. up. Napier yeah, or Bill Clark at UAB. Um, yeah. What about Fickle? Luke Fickle, Cincinnati. He is not leaving Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> that is heresy if he ever leaves Cincinnati. You, you are very adamant about that fact, but I think if he got the opportunity, he would. It's LSU. No, he already t- he He's going to be making bank. He goes. Well, well Cincinnati's gonna make a big They're gonna be in the Big Twelve next year, even though that's not much of a conference anymore. But I mean, he already, he's already turned down Michigan State for more of a bag. And I he, would also turn down Michigan State. I would too. Well, Mel Tucker's made him a good team now. So. Well, Harrison, thank you for joining us. Now that we got phone calls, maybe once you return to the Plains next week, we can start doing some more phone calls because this is hey, enjoyable. We'll, we'll see about it. Thanks for having me back on, guys. I'm really proud of y'all. Thank you to all of our listeners on I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, appreciate it, man. Take care at the wedding. Be safe heading home. You guys keep rocking it. All right, well, when we return, we're going to talk some SEC predictions as well as review last week's game and talk about the trash on the field in Tennessee. Stay locked in right here on Weagle 91 FM. You're listening to TNT in the morning. You're listening to TNT in the morning here at Weagle 91 FM. And sadly, it's the last segment of the show, but... That means we're 15 minutes away from the weekend. Everybody excited for this weekend? No. All right. Well, there, there went the, all the that. Ga- the game. I, I, I the games are so classes boring. today. So. Oh uh, well. If you look at, there's only like two or three good games this week. Yeah. I agree. But to talk about some games this week, and we're moving somewhat around the country, but also SEC potentially next year, is Spencer Rattler. Getting benched at Oklahoma for Caleb Williams, and then Caleb Williams putting on a show there at Oklahoma, and now Spencer Rattler could be in the transfer portal. I know he updated his Instagram bio this past week, took uh, the University of Oklahoma out of his bio, so that's gotta that's gotta mean something. Yeah, a lot of schools have been been thrown around as potential landing spots for him because as much as he loved Oklahoma, he. Spencer Rattler has probably one of the biggest egos that we've ever seen from a college football player. I think he rivals Johnny Manziel in ego. I agree. I swear. That QB one, like, Beyond the Light show on Netflix, when he was, like, one of the three for that season, I don't think I've hated someone that I don't know more than him. Yeah, he's so loudmouthed. He does not really care for his team, and it showed. He did not not like his backup. I remember that first game that came on on the show. Yeah. He got injured. Backup goes in and throws for five touchdowns, like a quarter and a half. It looked like, based on how they like shot the yeah. show. And like it, it was just cra- like it's just crazy the way like I don't know if it was just the way that the show showed him or whatever, but the dude was so like cocky and arrogant the entire time. Like for me sitting right here, just knowing that part about him, I don't know if I want him on my team. Well, you know, after the Texas game, he didn't even celebrate with the team after he got benched. He walked right off the field, which is a, I, as much as I. As much as a recruit as he is, I don't think any big-name school is really going to go for them. Because I mean, Nick Saban might, because he could he could rehab him into being, I don't know, quieter. 
But no, no one else can control him like a Saban could. I just, I just don't know. I, I'm not big on him either, but a lot of SEC schools are eyeing him as potentially coming to their school to transfer. Um, do y'all have a? Yeah, I was about to say, do y'all have a few schools in mind? I saw somewhere Auburn potentially. I personally, as an Auburn fan, I don't want him at Auburn. I think Bo Nix will he'll return and play just fine his senior year, and then we have Demetrius Davis. Several players coming in, that's, but that's that's what I'm here for. Looking I just at, wanted Demetrius yeah, Davis. I agree. Play. Looking at every quarterback on the roster right now, I would rather have anyone play quarterback than I would, before I would have Spencer Rattler. I see Holden Jarner coming in next year. I'd rather have him start next year over Bo Nix than I would Spencer Rattler. I don't care how good people, Spencer Rattler thinks he is or how talented he could be. I don't see him going anywhere that's a contender because quarterbacks at these top-ranked schools are who the who the people look at first. And like Oklahoma was only looked at over this year because Spencer Rattler was not playing as well. That's why all the lights were on them. It's like, oh, well, Oklahoma's kind of bad. Even though if their defense was playing well, no one really cared. They just cared that Spencer Rattler was not throwing for 400 yards every game. Right. Um, one thing about Spencer Rattler, and I think we've known him long enough and know this about him, is he's going to go to a school where he is not going to have to compete for the starting job. He's going to go somewhere where he's guaranteed the starting job from day one, maybe a quarterback like Ole Miss, Matt Corral, heading – off to the NFL, go. he's going to transfer there and just be the quarterback from day one. But also, I want to get your thoughts on this real quick. The 2019 quarterback class, in my opinion, is probably one of the worst classes coming out of high school ever. Um, the top quarterback, Graham Mertz of Wisconsin. Number two, Bo Nix. And number three, Spencer Rattler. If you would have told me in, after 2020 that Bo Nix would be the best quarterback out of those three, I would have called you dumb. I, I that just makes no sense. It I don't Spencer Rattler's situation right now. It reeks of Tate Martell. It reeks of it. I think he is going to go to a school. He's not going to be happy that he's probably not going to be the starter immediately, and he's just going to transfer it. I don't see him being your like. Oh, this is where I'm going to stay if I'm not a starter. Honestly, that class has just been more disappointing than really anything. Especially for how they, like how highly touted all three of those guys were, all right. Especially Spencer Rattler and Bo Nix, and all of them were just hailed as the second coming of Jesus for football. <laughs> was Sam Howell in that class? I think so. I think Sam Howell was. Uh, I think I had the list right here. It's, it's kind of hard been, to I know he read. Like Jaden Daniels. He's been playing well. Uh, Joey Yellen. I don't know that. Is Ryan Holinsky. I mean, this class is not looking too hot in 2019. I will say, Ryan Holinsky looked really good for South Carolina, but for some reason, I don't know why Mike Bobo started uh, Colin Hill last year over him. Not, Ryan Holinsky is now, I think, a backup at Northwestern. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, speaking of Ole Miss potential transfers, they had a interesting win last week on the road at T- uh, Tennessee. Controversial uh, fourth down conversion was just short, a foot short for Tennessee, and that sparked uh, some fans throwing some garbage onto the field. Were y'all able to watch that game? Oh, yeah. Can I just say, he was absolutely short of that first down. Without he a was. Yeah, I agree. Cause so, I don't know why Tennessee fans freaked out the way the they did. First, one of the first – in the first quarter at some point, uh, Matt Carroll got strip-sacked, and Tennessee picked it up and ran away to the end zone. But the refs called forward progress for Corral – for some reason. Yeah, I, I didn't agree with that either. And 
I think at that point, when you have anyone who knows Tennessee fans, they're a bit delusional as it is. You throw alcohol <laughs> into the mix, they turn hostile. So tensions were already high. They and you know you're a little blurry in the in the eyes. So you think you got the first down, so they start throwing trash. Twenty minute delay ensues. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars down the drain for Tennessee. And then you get the most anticlimactic ending to a game like that. Uh, that was so bad. Just <laughs> walks so out funny. of bounds. Like, come on now. Just at least lateral it. Throw it to an offensive lineman. Get was, some excitement. You, you might as well have thrown it. Why run it for 10 yards? Like, you uh, have three seconds. Or... He ran it for 12. He got the first down. Oh, he, sorry. And, sorry. Then, and then he clocked it. You know, he stopped the yeah. clock at negative 10 seconds. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that was interesting. Uh, a thing I would have loved to see, because we all know Lane Kiffin is – hilarious especially on twitter and social media and he he was tweeting stuff all night and the next day about it i would have loved to have seen after he got hit with that golf ball if he would have just like gone and grabbed one of his players helmets and just put on a f- old miss football helmet while like going through like the 20 minute delay talking to the refs yeah. and you just see lane kiffin there with the football helmet on it would have been hilarious well, i know i know lane kiffin enough to where i know he's going to keep that golf ball it's going to be in his office Absolutely. And I don't know if y'all saw the post game uh, in the locker room from Lynn Kiffin, what kind of chant he had. I something I can't say over radio. I saw it. But I mean, tensions were high. I suppose there wasn't like a fight at All right. some point. I, I got a question for the two of y'all. All right. Not that any of us would do it, but what would have been the thing you throw in the field? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think like what I would actually bring to a football game and then have with me. I mean, probably like a souvenir cup of like full of like Dr Pepper or like, something. No, just 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 out of the things that you like you saw from the video that were thrown on the field, it's like the golf ball, the mustard. Bottle. Oh, I want to be the guy that the bo- bottle of mustard. Yeah, that was great. I mean, did he bring mustard with him that's, in, that's or did he question. like go to the concession stand because and grab? It, is it because you know you probably ran to the concession stand and grabbed it, but that's not the usual type of mustard you see at the. That's what I'm saying because like I know if it's at like Auburn, it's like you've got like a big tub thing. So I I think the dude had to have brought in like an actual like jar of mustard. He, he probably looked around his cabinet and trying to find something. He knew he was going to throw something at Lane Kiffin. <laughs> game. And he said, oh, wait, look, I have this expired bottle of mustard. Let me just get rid of it. Uh, I have to buy a new bottle anyways. Yeah. And then he chunked it. We saw mustard. We saw golf ball. Speaking of golf ball, some accuracy by that throw to, like, hit Lane Kiffin. Dude, I, I mean, swear, does Tennessee hey, need to bring him in? Sign him. Sign him to the squad. He no. should be the backup quarterback because Joe Milton's just not it. Yep. For those listening, uh, let us know on uh, at TNT and the AM on Twitter and Instagram. What would you have thrown onto the field at Tennessee? Some interesting items being discussed. So let us know what you would have brought to the game and potentially thrown onto the field in a situation like that, even though we do not encourage anything to be thrown onto Absolutely the field. Absolutely not. We <laughs> do not do that, actually. We do not consent. If you do something like that, you did not uh, hear it from TNT in the morning. Um. Moving into some Tennessee delusional fans, uh, we have Alabama, Tennessee <laughs> this week. Um, so we're gonna get into our pickums. We got three minutes left into the show, so um, let's just get into pickums real quick. So we'll start off with you, Dylan. Alabama, Tennessee. What you got? I feel like this is a pretty easy decision. I mean, I think Bama's favored by over twenty. Twenty-five. Yeah, so twenty-four and a half. I'm gonna go with the Heisman front runner. Bryce Young to throw for 500 yards against Tennessee's terrible defense. Bama wins. Uh, I'm going to agree with that one. Honestly, I, I feel like any choice on Tennessee is probably the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, of course, taking Alabama here. I'd like to see uh, their pass defense. This could be wind up being a high-scoring game there 
in uh, Tuscaloosa. If Hendon yeah, Hooker plays, if Joe Milton plays, this game's over. Yeah, if it's Joe Milton, well, uh, at least he can uh, stop the clock and run out of bounds. So, yeah. at least they got that gun for him. <laughs> um, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, and the golf ball returns to play this weekend at home against LSU. And just coming off the news of Ed Orgeron agreeing for his dismissal following the conclusion of the season, what are your thoughts on this game? I'm going to go Ole Miss, but close. I think LSU has been playing very well lately, and I think they could keep it close the entire game. Jake? Go Tigers. Go Give me LSU, baby. I love this matchup for them. I, I really think that, you know, Ogeron's already done out of the way. You might, might as well just throw it all out there, especially after the performance last week against Floyd. I think they're riding in hot, so just I, send it. I agree. Uh, they're coming in hot against Florida, and – We'll see. I, I still got I still got Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss winning that game. All right, uh, three games left. Uh, Mississippi State, Vandy. State all the way. Give me Vandy. Vandy. Dark wow. Horse. Dark horse. Dark horse for Jake. I'm gonna take the air raid offense and go Mississippi State. Next, we're gonna go an easy one right here. We got Arkansas versus Arkansas Pine Bluff. I'm gonna go the I'm gonna go with Arkansas Razorbacks. <laughs> Woo pig, baby. Give me the Razorbacks. Let's go, Sam Pittman. I'll pick Tars Razorbacks on this one. And lastly, we got AM and South Carolina. Give me the Aggies. I don't think South Carolina is a good enough team to compete there. I, I, I agree with that one. AM is definitely going to be the better team of the two. I agree. I'm going to pick AM. And thank you all for listening to this week's episode of TNT in the Morning on Weagle 911 FM. And my uh, pick them for the bye week. Is all the men out there? They can go to weddings, you can go to a pumpkin patch, and you can spend the weekend with your lady. Thank you for listening to TNT in the morning on Weagle 91.1 FM.